Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert. And I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure. Because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. And blow into the hole gently, like so. Watch me. I'll do the fingering. Hello and welcome to Unequal Sequel. My name is Dave and I'm one of the two hosts of this magical podcast. And I'm Rich and I'm the other host of this magical podcast. Think of me as Jake to Dave's Elwood because we never take off our sunglasses and we're on a mission from God. (laughs) The premise of Unequal Sequel is very simple. We ask our guests for their best ever sequel, their worst ever sequel and finally their dream sequel. And of course sometimes we go off course a bit and talk about other movies and sometimes life in general and we by accident do drop some big fat spoilers to films you may have not watched so if we mention a film you haven't seen and you don't want it ruined you know press pause skip a little bit go and have a little go on pokemon go have a a walk collect some charmazards or whatever and then come back to us because on today's episode we are joined by clarice Clarice is one of my absolute favourite film critics. She writes for The Independent. You can also hear her on BBC Six Music with Edith Bowman. She also presents the brilliant Fade to Black podcast too, so go and check that one out. We're very excited to sit down with Clarice and chat all things sequels with her. These are Clarice Lockery's Unequal Sequels. Enjoy! Do you remember the first sequel you got excited about? I think that would have been Attack of the Clones because I loved Phantom Menace. I thought Jar Jar Binks was delightful. Good. <laughs> I was a child, so I feel like that's my defense. I didn't understand that he was racist at the time. <laughs> 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 I didn't understand any of that. And I thought he was goofy and funny and I adored him. And so I was—I remember being very excited going into Attack of the Clones, and my dad worked at a cellular company, and they had had like a company screening Ooh. that was, I think, a day before it came out, Ooh. so it was slightly early, and we all went in, and but we were really late because we couldn't find parking, I think, and so we had to sit on the front row. Oh. 
like and the screen was two inches away from my face and i was sat next to a stormtrooper <laughs> <laughs> and i remember like five minutes into the movie like it was like the air it was sucked out of the room <laughs> and even though i i think i was still too young to be at that age where you really start to have like a critical eye for films yeah, yeah. Um, and go oh this isn't very good but i was like oh something's wrong <laughs> Something's wrong in this place. Uh, the stormtrooper's sad. <laughs> What's happening? So I think that's like the first distinct memory I have of any sort of sequel ever, even though I kind of came out, I guess, not liking it. Yeah. It sounds like you did <laughs> like it. You know, I'm not fully convinced. Was there parts you enjoyed in Attack of the Clones? I had to say with the whole prequel trilogy, it's I have a fondness for it because... I think now that I'm older and I go back, I, I do really appreciate what George Lucas was trying to do yeah. because there's some really interesting, like the whole political storyline, you know, all this like some sort of subterfuge side of it, the the Jedi Order being really imperfect and them being the cause of Darth Vader because they didn't want to help Anakin's mother. Yeah. Like, oh, that's really, mm. that's fantastic. That's really smart. But then you just have really dumb scenes. <laughs> <laughs> that you're like, I can't defend this. <laughs> yeah. I can't defend. Um, I hate that Yoda, Doku, du Count Dooku fight um, where he's zipping around like a yeah. bouncy ball. I know mm. some people like it, but I, I can't defend it myself. <laughs> no. I think it's in Attack of the Clones as the second one. I think it's the floaty fruit scene that just sets my sets my skin on edge. There's just a bit where yeah. you kind of like force floats some fruit, and I'm like, oh god, it's horrible. <laughs> the whole seduction is creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not quite sure how old they're meant to be there, but it's they just literally those two have no chemistry uh, whatsoever. No. He's he's got more chemistry with the sand people that he's killing at one point. <laughs> Yeah, and she's got more chemistry with Obi Wan. Yeah, oh yeah, let's be honest. And who wouldn't? I know. <laughs> At this point, so what did you think of the third one? What do you think of the the, the trilogy as a as a whole? Because that that is that your Star Wars trilogy? I guess. Well, I think yeah. I don't know. I I think by the time I, I have kind of weird relationship with Star Wars because I, yeah, I really loved Phantom Menace, and then I sort of dropped off. And then I came back in with The Force Awakens. And I think partially being able to do this job and getting to go to like Star Wars Celebration yeah. and meeting so many fans and seeing the wider, kind of like wider fandom and universe that is Star Wars, that's what I've really fallen in love with. Um, I don't know if I would have described myself as a Star Wars kid. I was very Indiana Jones centric. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's and a good I was way like, to be. <laughs> there's a lot of cultural stuff I miss because I was too busy like being into Egyptology <laughs> and reading about gods and myths. So I think that's oh, why so my, this, my... I'm so the same. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah? My dad had so to sit me like down one day. Stuff, <laughs> when, I was, when I was about six, my dad had to sit me down and explain that an archaeologist wasn't Indiana Jones because I was like dead set that I was going to be an archaeologist. And he's like... Yeah, they don't have whips and fedoras. That isn't what archaeology is. Here's a brush. Like, <laughs> a brush some dirt. <laughs> this is the thing. I didn't get that talk. So I got up to the point of applying to university. And I tried to do Egyptology. They didn't really have courses here. Oh. And then I tried to do archaeology. Oh. 
and then I looked at the first year, it was like three months of soil types. Right. Mm. So I ended up doing ancient history, which is archaeology without the digging, which I quite enjoyed. Oh, nice. <laughs> Just looking at stuff. That's nice. So where does the film come into this? Uh, if that was university and uh, where did the love of film come from? Well, I've always loved film because I think I've... I'm an only child and I was always a bit of a loner. We moved around a lot when I was a kid. It was quite difficult to make friends. So I was such a like daydreamer and I would just like live inside the movies that I would watch. But I, I think I I was sort of torn. I really wanted to be a part of the film world. And then there was sort of like the archaeology history side, which is still mm. something I really love and really treasure. Yeah. But I didn't, I just didn't know what part of film I would be good at. Like for a <laughs> while, I thought I'd do acting, but I'm not very good at acting. I'm not very, well, I'm really bad at the audition process, which is you have to be good at, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's the jobs. Job. Yeah. yeah. They don't just give you the jobs, right? Um, And so I was sort of just like meandering around for ages. And then I, the film criticism I sort of fell into I had that as a backup just because I started writing for my university newspaper and I just kind of kept doing it and then I got an internship and then I was like I guess like this is money this is good I enjoy doing it and now it's a bit weird that I'm here like this is my life now (laughs) (laughs) I guess yeah it's yeah, good. That's the way life works out, right? You never like never works out the way you plan it. You just kind of end up where you end up. It'd be boring otherwise, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's quite good because when people like say, "Oh, boo, you're bad at it." It's like, well, I didn't ask for this. You <laughs> collectively, as the people who kept giving me jobs and reading things I wrote, yeah. you're the ones who made this happen. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry if you don't like what I do. <laughs> No, I think you're brilliant. Uh, your oh, your Transformers you. review great. Your your podcasting's great. So, how long have you been into film journalism now? Like, yeah, it's tricky because I don't know what I would count as the official start. start because, I mean, that's kind of the weird thing about this industry is I think it is a lot like acting, like those really like niche, difficult creative pursuits because you spend so long like just trying to get your foot through the door. So I had mm. like probably three years of just doing that while I was actually um I was actually in air- I had a job where I would stand in the airport boots and try to sell people diarrhea tablets wow um <laughs> yeah because they were like when you're going to certain countries where maybe certain stomachs are not used to certain you know yeah yeah <laughs> the mind. So I'd have to go, where are you flying to? Mm, seems like you might shit yourself there. Do you want this tablet? <laughs> it was the weirdest job I've ever done. And a lot of people were going to funerals, which um really oh, wow. awkward. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't want, to, don't want to shit yourself at a funeral. I mean, come on. Yeah, because <laughs> I was like, do I still try to sell them the tablet? Because it's a very emotional thing. It might upset your stomach. I don't know. Oh, God. <laughs> The point of the story is, yeah, it's like I, I very much meandered my way into this. And in terms of being like a full-time critic, I only really started in 2019 doing it 100% full-time, the review writing. Before that, I was journalism, newsy type stuff, I guess. Yeah. 
Oh, cool. Well, oh, I'd rather film criticism than being an actual journalist any day. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it has perks, right? It looks like it has perks. Some people are great at it. I wasn't because, like, you have to be very efficient and very fast. And I was like, la di da di da, emotions. <laughs> <laughs> Which they don't like in the journalism side. Oh, that's where I think I went wrong. Oh. oh. <laughs> Damn it. Now, where you're going wrong, Dave, is the is the getting all flappy when you meet famous people side. That's, it's only that's... happened a few times. <laughs> oh, that's hard. Like you, I wanted to be in the film world, and then I found out I wasn't brilliant at a lot, uh, and, I, and I worked in like post-production for a while, and I still kind oh, of cool. do, but not really. And I, I met lots of famous people, and I couldn't keep my shit together. <laughs> I got better. Um, who have I embarrassed myself in front of? David Tennant. I've I've embarrassed myself. Oh. Um, there's a list, man. You've got a list of people you've embarrassed yourself in front of. Cool, there's a list even before that. I did security once at um, a studio where they were filming uh, CD UK when I was very young. Uh, and I am uh, I made myself a bit of a tit in front of Rachel Stevens. Uh, G-Unit. Oh, wow. I made myself a bit of a wally in front of them. You very nearly walked straight into Sam Hayek when we were at a screening. Things happen around me. <laughs> Yeah. Was that the the hitman's bodyguard? Yeah. yeah, I was there, and and I was walking from the bathroom. I was like, "Why is Salma Hayek running?" That's exactly the what I was surprised. Does <laughs> right she there. not have somebody to get it for? <laughs> Very humble, humble queen. We love but, her. I mean, Dave literally <laughs> missed her by an inch, but he very nearly oh backed gosh. straight into her. <laughs> yeah, it's quite embarrassing. It's not the first Statham I've walked directly into. Uh, in, oh my in, in Soho. I mean, not, and he didn't move an inch. Um, Did you like break several bones? Because I imagine he is steel. He is steel. steel body, and he's still taller than me. And he, and he just looked down at me and went, "All right." And I went, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're brilliant." Um, let's get on to the questions before I embarrass myself anymore. What is your best sequel ever? So, I. I struggle with these questions because it mm. changes so much and Amen. also because I I don't want to like steal good answers from other people. <laughs> <laughs> so I think in truth it would be Return of the King because I had a gigantic Lord of the Rings phase and I turned up to that screening in elf ears. Just how serious I was about mm. it. Nice. <laughs> And I think that movie, there is such a beauty to it. And I feel so lucky to have been a, like the right age when those films are coming out. Because I remember watching the Oscars that year, you know, when Return of the King swept. And I was so emotional because I felt like I'd been on that journey, not only with like Frodo and Sam and all the fellowship, but with like Peter Jackson and the entire yeah. crew. Like it was such a, a beautiful thing to experience. And then I think... No, I wouldn't have had any of those emotions without just the care and the craft and the skill put into that entire trilogy. And I think Return of the King is my favorite just because it's like that's when everything comes together and it's such an emotional release. And the ending, I it just makes me sob <laughs> so much when he goes, "Well, Frodo, that's it. I'm done. I'm out." I'm crying all over the shop. <laughs> oh, I like when you great... said ending and you picked the like. Yeah, which first. ended. Which yeah. ended, I was. <laughs> that is true. There are multiple ones. But like you know, that was the only Oscars I've ever stayed up and watched. Because oh. um, 
I'm such a Lord of Rings man as well, and a Peter Jackson fan. Like you, I was like, it's got to be this year. They've been like nominated or whatever. Where are these people's Oscars? They're, it's such like beautiful film, like the costumes, the makeup, the special effects, the Gollum stuff. And then eventually it all happened on that one night and it was, it was incredible. You, so you're big fans of the other ones? Are you fans of the books beforehand? Yeah, I read the entire trilogy after Fellowship. So First of the Ring was my first contact to the movie. Okay. And I went and I read the entire trilogy. I read The Hobbit. I uh, tried to read the appendices. Um, I got about 25% of the way through and oh. I was like, no, this is just like reading the Bible. I can't that's, do it. Because I yeah, also tried to read the Bible once back to <laughs> from cover to end cover. And I was like, why are we doing this? It's very difficult to read. I didn't say they were transplanting, so it's fine. Okay, so they're like they're all together in their own collection. Yeah, of like these are not narratives; <laughs> these are just books. Yeah, <laughs> they're of their own category. Yeah, and that, and I love the I love the books as well. But I think like my heart is mostly with the films, just because of I guess the time period, the era. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. love those movies, don't you? Uh, I, I adore them. I think the second one's still the best one. Uh, and that is literally down to Helm's Deep and Helm's Deep only. Like, that yeah. that just blew me away on film. I couldn't believe what I was watching. I hadn't seen anything like it. And I watched it twice in like 10 hours or whatever it was. I watched the 12 o'clock showing and then I got up and did the, 10, the first 10 o'clock showing as well. Uh, and then I think I saw it a couple of days. And there are the films that I've seen the most in the cinema. Like Fellowship, I watched about three, four times two towers four or five times and i think return of the king about that time as well hey i embarrassed myself in a screening of return of the king once <laughs> because um went for a few drinks before with my friends and we were in the the aisle that's right near the cinema screen and i was in the middle and i needed a wee for like the third time and then my friends wouldn't let me out anymore so i tried to climb over the back uh and i just fell over and everyone gave me a round of applause <laughs> in, in, and it wasn't oh, even like no. a bat, it wasn't like a battle scene it was like a whisper it was like a really sensitive <laughs> one of those moments uh i never came back to that seat i just sat at the end uh and left it it was it was quite embarrassing um so you weren't a fan until you re- watched the first film so what made you go to the books because you're also a big book fan because you're a podcast right yeah i that's a good question. I think I I always have that reaction with films. If I really love the film, I want. I did that with Dune as well. Okay. So I saw, I saw quite an. Oh, this is a bit of a. Oh, look at me! I saw quite an early screening of Dune, so it was like not out in the world yet. Brilliant. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, this movie is gonna be. I like walked out of that screening like I couldn't speak. I was so blown away. <laughs> wow. And. I, I just had this feeling like, oh, this is going to be everything when this movie comes out. I have to read this book. Like, I have to be completely, like, up, you know, up on the knowledge. Yeah, yeah. I need to know my, like, gum javas. <laughs> I just, like, tore through that book and then went to watch Dune Part 1, like, three more times. Brilliant. What happens if the book's not as good as the film, though, or the other way around? What have, what have you come... Has you ever been, like, a bitter taste either way around? really i i think because in my mind they're such separate mediums Mm. and you know there are things that cinema can do that a novel never could vice versa so it's i don't really go into reading the books expecting with with any sort of comparison in my mind yeah 
Like, you know, sometimes when I'm reading the books, I'll sort of replay some of the bits of the movie in my mind, but I'm not going, oh, well, they did this in the movie and in the book it's like this. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, and I'm not fussy about stuff being super faithful, but also I'm very lucky because my favorite book, The Age of Innocence, was adapted by Martin Scorsese. So, like, I'm all good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's a good shout. <laughs> yeah. I have nothing to complain about. So maybe I'm speaking from a very privileged position in that. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you had a slightly controversial choice for best, for a second choice for best uh, sequel as well, though, didn't you? Yes. Because I was like, well, a lot of people will want to pick Lord of the Rings and I don't want to steal that from them. But you know who kn- the film that no one is going to pick? You want to defend one, don't you? <laughs> Alien Covenant. Okay, then. I okay. rewatched it today because I was like, let me just check. I'm not insane. No, it's incredible. <laughs> I will not be gaslit about this movie anymore because every time I say that I love Alien Covenant, people are like, are you okay? What's wrong with you? It ruined the Alien franchise. I'm like, no, that movie understands the Alien franchise more than most of the Alien sequels, I would argue. This is the place. Stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I saw it in the cinema, and my overriding kind of feeling about it was general hatred. I think, but again, I rewatched it last. I watched it last night, and do you know what? It's all right. It's okay. I'm, the dialogue is rubbish, but it's other than that, it's okay. <laughs> uh, very similar to which I watched it. I think the Pitch House in London uh, on the opening day, and it was dead pretty sure it was dead or the first few oh, days no. and i was like where is everyone it was weird and i remember not not hating it not loving it and i thinking that's better than prometheus yeah i think it is better than prometheus and i really yeah. like i really like the ending and i was like oh i can't wait to see what what goes on in the next one which we'll get Didn't to later that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> i don't know what's going on but um it, it's yeah why do you love it so much this is the thing i know and I think you've had a previous guest on this podcast talk about aliens. We've had a few, yeah. And We've I know a, few, a lot yeah. of people, that's their favourite film of the franchise. I'm going to be honest, I've never really liked Aliens very much. Big cool. <laughs> and Big not cool. in a way that I think it's a bad movie. Like, it's, I respect the filmmaking and yeah. I respect James Cameron's, like, he's a fantastic action director. But for me alien is it's alien and it is like it is the cosmic horror of it Mm. that first movie to me is so fantastic because it's this feeling of like what would we do as humans if we were faced with the absolutely unimaginable Mm. and that's what's so frightening about the xenomorph and i i feel like by the time you get to aliens they've got guns and they just shoot them and you're like oh (laughs) kind of the the allure of the alien yeah. has been sort of like brushed off and now it's like oh it's just like a thing now but in the first movie it's the horror of like what is this what does it want why does it look like a penis like there's so much like psychosexual like really like you know it's kind of it's the hr geiger there's like a bit of lovecraftian stuff to it and i feel like alien covenant out of ah, i don't want to be thought it's like maybe all of the sequels is the movie that picks up that idea the best and it's that sequence is like a 20 minute sequence where they first like 
meet the what's well, not the xenomorph it's like the neomorph the little baby mm, little yeah. baby xenomorph the albino one <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. yeah the little little tiny it's quite cute it's oh, like and that sequence i think is ingenious because everyone is so like what is this <laughs> that they act like absolute idiots and i've had a lot of conversations with people of going that's so stupid why are they so stupid and i feel like okay but do you remember that video that viral video of i think they were irish and they had a bat in their kitchen yes. and they're all right Freaking tell out. me that's not the same as yeah, alien same. covenant like i think that sequence of of like um i think her name's ferris and and she like locks her crewmate in the medical pod with a xenomorph and she's like i'm not letting you out oh my god we're keeping it in there which is right and then procedure. She her yeah, yeah. Mm. and but then she's like oh my god no i need to kill it so she gets the gun and she opens the door again and she tries to shoot it but then she slips on the blood yeah and then she tries to crawl out close the door again realizes that's a terrible idea smashes her foot and then she's it gets out of the medical bay and it's chasing her around and she's trying to shoot it and explodes the entire ship i'm like that it is it's funny i think ridley scott intends it to be funny but i think that's one of the most human things i've ever seen in one of these like sci-fi monster movies like i i that's my issue with aliens is that because they're meant to be marines and they're really well trained and they know how to handle this stuff it's like Mm. that's not as interesting to me as Oh my god, what is that? Shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, run, 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 run. <laughs> like I play a lot I've played a lot of like multiplayer like shooting games and I I see how people panic, right? <laughs> you're just shooting wildly into the air because you see something, you're like, ah, I don't know what to do. So I have full confidence that if I were in the alien universe, I would be like her and I would die horribly because yeah. of my own stupidity. I own that alien isolation game, whatever it's called, and I can't get through the first oh 15 minutes because I'm just like what you just said. I'm just a rabbit in headlights uh, and it kills me every time. And I'm just shooting at the ceiling most of the time in the dark. And it's it's terrifying. Yeah, I tried that game and I got up to I could deal with the androids and I got up to the first time the Xenomorph like pops through the ceiling great i went to hide underneath a desk yeah. and it saw me and i quit and i never went back <laughs> <laughs> so i was like nope if you can see me under the desk i can't do this <laughs> it's a great game it's very scary it is great were you satisfied with the the idea of the how the birth of the alien they said if you know the, the david that he's the creator of of these these i was about to say animals but aliens is that satisfying for you? Yes. Yeah. I, I kind of, I love the whole David storyline because kind of linking back to what I said before, so much of Alien to me is about like hubris yeah. because the first movie, it's obviously it's this corporation mm. and they send out these workers and they don't care about the workers. They have no support for them. And then the workers die and you're like, Wayland, <laughs> you tiny. <laughs> and I, I feel like having... David to be like mankind's creation because they thought they could be God. Mm. And then David turns around and goes, well, I'm going to be God now. Like if yeah. you think you can be God, why can't I be God? And then he, he creates this horrific alien that is capable of basically wiping out humanity if it wanted to. Uh, I just, it's so, Oh, it's so dark and like deliciously ironic and like, he, he, he. And I love that side of it. Cause 
is such a vicious movie, especially the ending. It's such a mean ending. It is, yeah. But I love it because that is alien to me. <laughs> yeah, how do you think that goes? Not good. Is his plan? <laughs> is his plan to just wipe out humanity, or, or slowly just? His plans to make a perfect creation, isn't it? And yeah. he feels like the xenomorph is his perfect creation, even though. Like when he does get his perfect one, it kind of bursts out of. Is it Aurum, the captain? Yeah. And it I almost like thought it was going to do a little tap dance when it came out, like that. This little tiny baby xenomorph. Oh, it's reaching out. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, like this. Papa. Oh, Papa. Yeah, that's a bit weird. It's going to do a hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Spaceballs, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think I, I think you're right. I think it's it's so much better than I thought it would be. Like, like that I remember it being. And actually, that kind of dark ending, where he's putting the little embryos in the drawers with the other ones, I was like, "What well, one?" Because he they come out of his mouth, he like th- he like regurgitates them. You're like, "Oh, yeah." <laughs> like, but actually, I kind of I really like that that kind of David. And I remember watching it and thinking, "Oh God, that of course he's of course he's David. Of course he's not Walter, you idiots. Of course he's." Da-. And then I watched it the second time and I was like, "That's genius. That's brilliant." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember figuring it out. Like, because this is the thing, I saw this movie before the embargo dropped, and I was with my friend who was also a gigantic Alien fan, mm. and we were having the time of our life. And I remember, oh, like, good. when the penny dropped, I was like. Oh my god, that is that's David, and I was like grabbing my friend, being like, "That's David, David." <laughs> <laughs> like it's a bit obvious, maybe, but I love it because of the drama. Yeah, Daniel's when she realizes just before she gets put to sleep is absolutely heartbreaking, and it's it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant ending, and I really want to see what they had planned because. I think it would actually get good. Cause do you like Prometheus? How do you feel about that one? Oh, yeah, I do quite like it. I think Alien Covenant's better because it, it Prometheus has so much of the setup for what Alien Covenant, to me, is the payoff yeah. of, mm. like, what's David up to? Like, what's his grand plan? But I love... Um, oh, my God, what's the line? I like rocks. <laughs> what does he say about Prometheus? Something about rocks. You really enjoy that lion and Charlie's there and running away from the spaceship. Yeah, it's a, run to the side, to the side. Nope. <laughs> Mush. <laughs> yeah. So really, this film it doesn't really need an ending because you can kind of interpret how you want it to go, right? Kind of thing. Yeah. It's like as much as I would love to see a third Ridley Scott Alien. It's quite, it's quite exciting to leave it there because then you mm. have the feeling of, oh my God. Because I, I feel like if you had a, a third movie, you would have to defeat David, right? And you would yeah. have to have humanity win out. But I like so much darker going, oh, maybe he does just replace all of humanity with Xenomorph. Yeah. And there's like Xenomorph Manhattan and they're just all driving around in little taxis. <laughs> Like I kind of enjoy, unless unless Ridley Scott wanted to make that third movie, where it's like Planet of the Apes, and they realise that amazing Xenomorph world now. Oh, I'm definitely down for that. Oh, I'd watch that. That's better than Alien versus Predator Requiem. Oh yeah, I'd... exactly. <laughs> that is a horrible, horrible film. That is a horrible film. Yeah, but shouldn't this one? Because it's meant eventually. I think the plan was to link it to Alien, wasn't it? And they had to try and explain how the the jock 
that ship landed on LV four five six or whatever, and that that hasn't happened yet in this timeline. Do they do do they need that film, or are you happy now that's just left? And because they, they are making an Aurelian film, but it's not. I don't think it's connected to this. Yeah, because that's the that's the thing. I I kind of I don't need that like Rogue One bridge <laughs> because it's just not going to be as interesting. Because yeah, it will have to be like, oh, how do they manage to stop David? Because I I like having the option that I can ignore the canon of Alien as much as I love that movie and go, no, he won. Yeah, he won. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like if you made another. It would just have to be the bridge thing, and it ends with like D. H. Sigourney Weaver, like getting on the the ship. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I just the the planet where they're where they're heading to is the one that that it does link sort of, doesn't it, Dave? Honestly, like, no, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I just presumed that this colony ship's going to land on that planet. The aliens are going to eat all the colonists, uh, or like you know, face hug them, whatever they're going to do. And then that's when, that's how. Well, the ship they land, they find in in Alien, is yeah. a ship from the the Prometheus. Those people, it's right? Not, it's okay. not a colony ship. I know that. Oh, much. okay. But the engineers, so, yeah, right? yeah. The so at some point, shopping. the engineers yeah. must chase David. But in long run, we know that David wins because there are the xenomorphs exist. Yeah. Voila. We get that. I think we all. Mm. I think we should all be happy with that. Um, I want Xenomorph Manhattan though. Yeah, me like too. It doesn't happen if you have to explain that. Oh no! I want a Eventually, movie. humanity won. I don't want to hear that. We've seen that movie. I want a yeah. movie about a frustrated Xenomorph accountant who just has enough and does a falling down. <laughs> So much potential. <laughs> we'll write the script to be brilliant. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site wide at tommyjohn.com slash Spotify. Tommyjohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Accenture overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. What has been the most disappointing sequel? So it can be quite good if you want, but you've gone in like real high and you've come out. Eh. It doesn't have to be a bad film at all. Well, the one I was going to pick and then I saw somebody else had mentioned it in a previous episode 
is Pacific Rim Uprising. Right. That's a good call. Because yeah. I just feel like, again, it's the the alien hubris of trying to touch Guillermo del Toro's work <laughs> and thinking that you could just tack something on to what is such a perfect, wonderful, like joyous action movie. And I hated that in the sequel, they they totally misunderstood what the point of Pacific Rim was, which was that that union between the two minds and that having this like sort of like psychic understanding where they can control the the robot together. Sorry, I've forgotten mm. all the terms. The Jaegers, yeah. That they could control the Jaeger together because and I love that it's like maybe romantic, maybe not romantic, that doesn't matter. It's because they're so spiritually linked mm. and that's so beautiful. And then in the sequel, they're just like, yeah, anybody can just hop into a Jaeger with anybody, doesn't matter, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Like, oh my God, just make a different movie. Don't call it Pacific Rim. Just call it Big Robot Go Punchy Punch, yes. you know? <laughs> yeah, but that's all the Transformers movies. Yeah. <laughs> True, a lot of movies could be called Big Robot Goes Punchy Punch. Yeah. I think Pacific Rim Uprising is so bad, it makes... The first one bad if they, and i don't think pacific room is a bad film i think it's basically the premise is really fucking good in pacific room and by now we should have like four or five of these these movies that world mm. and mm. they they cocked it up so much with um scott eastwood i don't even think john barrowig is bad in that film i think he's a uh he tries no, he tries great. really hard um it's it's everything around them and even the robots look rubbish and it's all filmed in in the light it's just, oh yeah, I, I yeah, it is massively disappointing that film because <laughs> the scope of the first one was so big, and then mm. you watch the second one and everything feels so small again, and the robots yeah. aren't scary, and you haven't got the Idris Elba, this is the end of the apocalypse speech, whoever it is. It's like you said the other day when we were talking about something, Dave. There's not the kind of the just moment. There's no kind of like in the first Pacific Rim. There's lots of like. You know, rising, stirring moments where you go, yeah, come on. And in the second one, it's just like, yeah, yeah, things happened. It, it's very hard uh, following Del Toro, isn't it? Like, you wouldn't want yeah. that. You wouldn't that want that job. Who was it? Stephen S. Knight. He hasn't quite got the flavour that Del Toro brings. I think Del Toro, you could feel that he. This is a property he loves, uh, and I think that most films that he does that this comes from his vision, his head. And then you get someone to take it over, and they haven't quite grasped, like you said, the the true meanings behind uh, the themes and the plots and the the togetherness that they're meant to happen in. And um, like Hellboy, which I know is not a sequel, it was a reboot, but it's the same situation. Like you've got a filmmaker who cares so much about monsters and what does the monster mean. Mm. And then it's like, there's no point ever making Hellboy again. Like, I sincerely think, just leave it. Like, that was perfect. Just leave it. He cares yeah, about the absolutely. design so much of the, I the know. beings. But also asking the question about, like, you know, it, it's a bit cliche now, but you, you watch kind of the first, first Pacific Rim, and there is that kind of underlying, are we the baddies? You know, the mm. kaiju are coming out and, you know, you know, are, are we the baddies? Are we attacking them? You know, how is that? How, and then the second one is just all 
full out kind of like well charlie yeah, day's got nonsense. a relationship with a kaiju brain or or, or something yeah Charlie does he, he turns into one or something or he becomes mind-melded with the kaiju or at least has sex with one yeah <laughs> we're convinced <laughs> there's some kind of relationship there and it, it's a bit weird great answer for charlie day <laughs> he must have read the script and just thought what <laughs> yeah but I'm signed like, oh, on. I'm signed on no, the, to this. The money's now. good. <laughs> At least the money's good. <laughs> I, I have to make this film. I feel sometimes. I feel like that's that is that film. But there should be like there should be a whole franchise of. I know there's some some animated movies on Netflix. I think, but there should be like computer games. There should be I don't know this whole world and and so far we've just got these 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 two movies and and that's disappointing. Oh, they man. never make sequels, good sequels to the movies that I like. Oh. So I just sort of give Oh, it well, up. that's our podcast in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> it also leads on to the next question quite nicely. What's your, what's your worst sequel ever? Well, I mean, I, this is the thing. I don't know what the, the constraints of a sequel are. It's very loose. But I feel like this, this is a sequel. Exceptionally to, loose. part of a universe. <laughs> a franchise. But I feel like... Morbius is just it sums up everything that I'm like sick and tired of superhero sequels to. <laughs> so yeah. I, I'm picking Morbius, but as like like the UN representative of mediocre comic book movies. Hundred percent. Please stop making me watch these. I'm my brain. I can't take it anymore. I can't. There's so many of them, and they keep coming. I'm I think them to stop. We are. At, I, I, I am fully at that point with you. I'm like, I'm so sick of superhero movies now. That yeah, I just can't. I just can't anymore. And you're right. There's so many just mediocre ones. And more. You're right again. Morbius is the perfect choice because it's so mediocre. It's, it's pointless. Just, yeah. It's I can just see why we got an so... Ant Man free, but I can't see how we've got to the position of bad good guys in spider-man universe without spider-man i i still can't work out how we've we've made ourselves there and i can't work out the end of this film when vulture michael keaton turns oh up. my god and because he tried so hard michael the other michael jared leto jesus christ uh yeah. to be a good guy for this film and then as at the end he's a gonna be a bad guy with vulture anyway let's let's get to that maybe later your job you know, you have to cover these films. How do you go in with such, like, a neutral, like, feeling towards it? I think I've stopped watching trailers for the most part. That's a good Unless idea. it's, like, Doom Part 2, and I gotta know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I gotta see him go, may they knife chip and chatter. I just yeah. had to be there. But, yeah, I kind of stopped trying to watch trailers or read too much or kind of set any expectations for films before I go in yeah I think that helps and I always try to remind myself that I've been pleasantly surprised before I mean I actually ended up really liking Venom Let There Be Carnage because I think purely Andy Serkis (laughs) and the Tom Hardy chaotic energy and I love that whole scene where he's at the club and it's like a coming out scene for Venom. And I was like, this is so cute. I love it. <laughs> so yeah. I try to like go in hoping maybe this is a Venom too, you know? Yeah. I do. 
exactly the same thing. I got I got a bit of shade for like let there be carnage because I don't hate that movie. I think it's all right. But yeah, I think I do exactly the same. I don't watch the trailers. I just actively avoid them. It makes um, his job hard. Yeah, yeah it does. And, and we go and watch all these kind of superhero sequel things because we have to. And yeah, and Dave Austin's like, often asks, oh, are you looking forward to the next one? I'm like, no, of course I'm not. I'm only watching them because you're making me. <laughs> <laughs> I did watch enough of the Craven the Hunter trailer to see that Russell Crowe is doing an accent, oh, so that's actually God. enough to get me in the room. <laughs> <laughs> I've got one thing to like. That's sometimes yeah. I feel like with these movies, you just need like one thing, right? To hold on to. I mean, Aaron Taylor Johnson, he's quite a good actor as well, though, right? So that's he's great. Terrible choices mm. in movies. I really didn't like Bullet Train. I'm sorry to say. I know some oh, people okay. really liked it. I quite enjoyed <laughs> it. Well, it was fun. That. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was fun. But yeah, I can see why you didn't like it. I can see why it's not the most likable movie. No. Right. Absolutely. But yeah, I think um, I was really into Spider-Man when I was a kid. And Craven the Hunter was my favourite baddie. And I, I feel a little bit like Alan Partridge watching the trailer a little bit. I was like, stop getting Craven wrong! <laughs> you might be best to answer this, Rich. Why are they making the bad guys good guys then? I don't know, out? Dave. It's all weird. <laughs> and is it meant to be leading to like a Sinister Six movie? Is this where we're trying to get to? Yeah, I Surely. think so. Can we? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't have the answers for that. But there's a lot of weirdness going on. And I'm really worried about Craven. I think it's going to be another average movie that i don't want to talk about i don't about. think it can be as bad as morbius because there's so many choices in morbius that they made that i just i don't understand when you came out of that screen in the first one you came out you meant to review it how did you feel was it as bad as you thought it, it, i know we're trying to say you're trying to keep with a neutral mm. mind but was it how bad was it <laughs> well i actually i went to the uk premiere of morbius I feel really bad for Sony putting on this premiere and putting so much work into it. And then this is the thing, because obviously a lot of influencers attend. They all left. So the cinema was like half empty. (laughs) And I felt terrible because I feel like I don't care. I've never walked out of a movie ever in my life because I don't, I will sit through it because I feel like that's, the least that these movies deserve like that's just little because every movie is made obviously by these huge crews yeah. and even morbius so many people put hours mm. of work into it i feel like it's totally fun for me to hate the movie but i should at least respect it enough to watch it all of it no one plans to make a bad movie <laughs> we try and say that yeah 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 so i kind of came out of it feeling a bit sad because i was like oh man <laughs> i feel a bit bad for sony because they have Spider-Man, and it must have been so exciting to have Spider-Man, and then the MCU comes along, Disney, like, puts a fat one of cash down on the desk, <laughs> and they're like, oh, I guess you can have Spider-Man, but now they're like, oh, but now we don't have any superheroes. <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> and so I feel like Sony are trying their best. And obviously, they made Spider-Verse, and that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. it is, yeah. Best superhero movie but, ever. I feel like they're really trying to just keep chugging along with these <laughs> these spider adjacent yeah. films. So yeah, I just kind of like, I didn't feel like, teehee, oh my god, it was so bad. I was like, oh god, I feel a bit. But was there a moment in the film when you thought, that's bad? Or was it when Jared Leto's on screen? <laughs> <laughs> 
It was. Wait, there were a few moments. Because Matt Matt Smith, I think, knows what kind of film he's in. He's having the the best time. Is Matt Smith? True. Although I hate that dancing scene. <laughs> Something about it. It's not Matt Smith's fault. He's a great actor. Something about it viscerally upsets me. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's something about, like, isn't this cool and so wacky? And I'm like, it's not wacky at all. He's just not wearing a shirt. Well, he worked out to get <laughs> I... in that, that position. So, you know, he had to show off <laughs> at some point. All respect to him. No shade to Matt Smith. But the, that entire, it makes my skin crawl just to watch it. And I don't know why. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I can think, see that. <laughs> I think this is it's part of the problem that, that I just... I would much rather watch, and I'm always a lot kinder to action movies, specifically comic book movies that are trying to have fun versus comic book movies that think they're really cool. Mm. And I have to say, I know the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy, incredibly respected, and I do have a lot of respect for it, but I think it kind of broke this genre because... Do you remember all the movies we had before? Like, they were bad, but they were so fun. Daredevil. Like, yeah, fun, bad movie, fun to watch. <laughs> the Fantastic Four movies, not good, fun to watch. Even that, the X-Men trilogy, like, quite silly, but so enjoyable. Yeah. And I feel like now, bad comic book movies are still... They think that the only way to to get an audience on their side is to try and like strive for this respectful status of like art and all comic book movies are art the fantastic four movies the 2005 one it's still art but it's also entertainment yeah (laughs) it's trying to like give audiences a good time and to actually create joy and to have a movie that kids can watch and feel joy about, I just feel like no kid is watching Morbius going, No. I love that vampire man. He's the coolest. Can I have an action figure of him? Surely that can't be happening. No. He's You're absolutely angel. right. Yeah. Yeah. Although, whereas Venom that you mentioned, my son absolutely loves Venom. He thinks Venom is brilliant and hilarious. And, you know, he's far too young to have watched it, but he begged me to watch those, the Venom movie. And he absolutely loves it, and but he's you're so right. Silly, yeah. Put him in front of Morbius, he's a silly be like, character. <laughs> yeah, have yeah. You know what you are. You're right. Just know what movie you're in. Know what know what know what this is. You know. Tom Hardy's um, having a great time in Venom. Like he goes like to to eleven quite often. Yeah. Whereas Jared Leto genuinely thinks he is a vampire, right? That's he's living that life. <laughs> I think everyone thinks they're in, Tyrese thinks he's in a different movie as well. Um, I don't get the whole when he's flying around. Is he losing some of himself? Like, is he turned dusty when he flies around? Do, do you know the effect I'm talking about. Is that an yeah. in-camera choice, or is that however people see him? And I don't understand why either of that. I think it's meant to visualize because doesn't he ride wind currents? which is not a vampire thing <laughs> so i think it was meant to like visualize the idea of like the speed at which he's moving right. and the sort of like wind the wind behind him but i'm not defending it um, this is not me defending it this is me explaining what i believe to be the artist's intent <laughs> yeah so if there was a second morbius i'm guessing there might be i think or... there is I, well, this didn't make any money, did it? I don't, I don't think it, it did well. And 
but they're pushing on with it, aren't they? Because never saw them the... before. They... Yeah, that is tr- that is true. <laughs> Look at the Transformers films. Yeah. <laughs> is there a future for it? Like, I don't see where this will fit in. I, I, I think I, I, I keep going back to Jared Leto, but he's not right for this role, right? Can they? I don't know where to go. Like, who would want to watch another one of this? I don't know. And it's it's what's painful about Morbius is that. It's a vampire movie, and vampires are so fun. And I really want that Blade movie to be good. Mm, yeah, there's so gonna much potential. They're going to put no, but Blade's, oh, a, Blade's yeah. a vampire. So, you know, that's the that's no, the but point, they, you, you can put them together, can't you? You can put Morbius in a Blade film. Technically, could they're both? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're both been in. Yeah, yeah, I don't think Kevin Feige's like running to the phone to like we want Morbius. <laughs> 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 I think you can presume that the Sony Marvel movies are a different universe to the MCU, maybe. Yeah, but it's all multiverse now. No, because no, yeah, yeah, because yeah, the Vulture's come into this universe now. He appeared in that. Oh, I don't prison know. Cell, I'm confused. As soon as the multiverse started, I was confused. <laughs> and then in this one, they mention Venom and the stuff that's happening in San Francisco. So this is happening in the same universe as the Venom stuff. Which is in a different yeah. universe to the MCU. Because remember, yes. Venom comes back, comes into the Peter Parker oh, universe, yeah. isn't it? So... so these movies, the Venom and Craven, presumably, and Morbius, all take place in a Sony Spider-Man universe, and they have failed to specify which one, which is driving me insane. So if there's a Morbius 2, I would like them to specify which Spider-Man, because it's either... Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire, and they were, or there's like a third surprise Spider Man. Yeah. <laughs> I think they can't legally do because I think Tom Holland is Spider Man. Right. Okay. <laughs> so I I've just, got a headache. Right. And I'm like, please just, you don't have to show him. Just tell us which <laughs> Spider Man it is. <laughs> Just on the back of a Mac, like like Daily Bugle or whatever, because people will spot like what suit he's wearing, I guess. <laughs> and I swear, I think I might be remembering this incorrectly, but I swear in the Morbius trailer, I saw there people were talking about a screenshot of a Spider-Man poster, but it was Spider-Man from the video game. <laughs> just making it no. worse. Because <laughs> like, you can't just keep throwing Spider-Man, like, just, just a crumb of context. I am... <laughs> Begging. <laughs> just oh. please. Because <laughs> especially Madam Web, that she's spy- that's a spider. That's Jason coming, right? That's a film. Yeah. With that's Dakota happening. Johnson. She has to ha- she has to talk to Spider Man at some point, surely. Mm. They're not gonna be like, There's two spider people in this universe, but they're totally unrelated. Yeah. Cause doesn't she can't she see like everything? Isn't that her? Rich, you, this is where you come into. Yeah, I, I don't know. know. This. I'm sorry. sorry, I don't know. You're meant to be the Spider-Man guy. No, I don't know. Sorry, but yeah, it could be Miles Morales, <laughs> guys. Yeah, well, they're making a Miles Morales movie now. Sony. Oh, are they? Okay. Are yeah. They? Amy, oh, is it maybe. Amy Pascal? The Sony head was like, "Yeah, yeah. we're doing live action." Uh, okay. But how do you top Spider Verse? Top for Spider Verse. Like into make... Spider Verse across the Spider Verse. They're just they're next level. You just make a mediocre Spider Man movie. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone gets really disappointed. Oh, no. Can we just make all superhero movies animated now, please? Can they just be, all be Spider-Verse and then we'll be It'd done be the with best it? Way. 
<sighs> How many times have you sat down and watched Morbius? Is it one of those films you thought, is it as bad as I remember? Or have you made someone else watch it and go, strap in? I watched it that one time at the premiere and I watched it like three hours ago and that's it. <laughs> Thank you for watching. We appreciate it. <laughs> I did feel like I should revisit it just to, yeah. to be Make sure. sure. I'm definitely sure. I'm definitely 100% sure. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that changed is I was like, oh my god, that's Bix from Andor. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's Bix it is. from Andor. I forgot about her at the ending. Yeah. Who's she's also a vampire now, but yeah, then, she um, is, yeah. know what that has to do with anything. Nothing. Dave sent me a message saying, Oh, I'm I'm watching Morbius and I'm like, I cannot watch that again. <laughs> like, so I've seen it the once at the cinema uh, and that's I I can't do it again, I'm sorry. I watched the other, your other two picks. I can't watch Morbius again. <laughs> so we all agree we don't want any more Morbius, right? Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> I would like different vampires. Hmm. I'd like, yeah. Yeah. I'd like Morbius to be a bad guy. Yeah. That's Maybe like, like a sp- new That's how I like Morbius. my Spider-Man villains. Hmm. Yeah, because I'm reading the Moon Knight comics at the moment, and he's hanging out with vampires, and it's very entertaining. Ooh. They're going to nightclubs and stuff. I feel like that should have been Morbius. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Go to nightclub and drink some blood and hangs yeah. out. It's like Blade 2. Yes. Oh my god, yeah, with the yeah, with the blood showers. I'm just hoping that Blade is good. You know, let's, let's cross our fingers for that one. <laughs> we haven't had a good Marvel film in a while, guys. So <laughs> just saying. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. When you want the best, you have to act fast, especially when hiring for your business. You want to find the most talented people before the competition scoops them up. And the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds top talent fast. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Spotify. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click gift mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Is there a sequel that you didn't like the original, it's the first one, but maybe you liked the second or the third or the fourth or the fifth? Or the eighth. Oh, that's a good so question. So it, it brought you back round. Yeah, we call this the Fast and Furious question because every, you know five is the one that everyone comes back. You know? Yeah, although I quite enjoyed the first one when it. Me too. And again, I watched it when it came out. Yeah, 
<laughs> it's not point break with cars. Brain. What's not to like? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I read that there was a pink car. I was very invested in that sort of stuff at that age. It, 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 we, we can talk about franchise films as well as you want, if you like Bonds, DC stuff, not the um, the Marvels, the, you know. Well, I could tell you because people always get shocked when I say this. This is why we're here. I, the we're first service. Marvel movie I ever watched, period was starting to the galaxy uh because i was so disinterested in the marvel universe until i saw a raccoon with a gun on the poster nice <laughs> i was like that looks cool is that that guy from parks and recreation okay I'll watch this. <laughs> and i loved it so much so i maybe would say guardians of the galaxy because this is I a great answer have gone back and re-watched a few i haven't watched all of them and again people get very mad about this <laughs> so like the Iron Man's and the first Avengers and not really for me. Guardians of the Galaxy yes. though. Oh, that's great. <laughs> like that specifically that if we want to talk about what I want from a comic book movie, it's whatever James Gunn is doing, I'll yes. be totally honest. Yeah. Absolutely. Does that mean you're excited for the future of the DC universe now? Because he's in charge. Yes, because I have just so not enjoyed the DC stuff recently apart from a movie that I think we're going to talk about in a moment, mm-hmm. and also yep. the James Gunn, the Suicide Squad. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's Warner Brothers, like, the PRs think that I just hate comic book movies, and I almost want to, like, email them and be like, oh, just heads up. It's because James Gunn wasn't making them. Like, chill out. Don't worry. I will probably be back on side with the DCU. We'll see. I mean, again, this is the thing. I try not to get too excited about stuff so that I yeah. don't get disappointed. Yeah. But I'm a little bit excited. Yeah, me too. Me too. He creatively, he excites me because before, like a few months ago, before this happened, their their cheerleader was The Rock. And you can't help but listen to The Rock. He has these like the mysterious powers. <laughs> And makes you believe everything he says. And yeah. I was like, "Oh my God, Black Adam is going to change the way we watch movies <laughs> and the DC universe." And uh, have you watched that one? Yeah, and I don't understand what hierarchy was changed. Nothing, nothing. <laughs> it was I just need, two like, hours of smashy, smashy. Because <laughs> he was gonna fight Superman at the end, but they didn't fight, so no hierarchy was altered. No, no, no. You're right. But I believed in it for a while, and I was like, "Yes, a oh, savior, man. the Rock." And now I can't stand the man. It's like he broke my heart. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm not—I'm not holding it against the Rock. I'll go see whatever he he does next. I quite enjoyed the Jungle Cruise movie. I'll be honest. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, for like the first twenty minutes of the Jungle Cruise movie, I loved because it was just like the Jungle Cruise ride. And then yeah. it sort of stopped being like the Jungle Cruise ride, and I liked it less. Mm. But those first 20 minutes were fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> what about the other two hours? Because it is a long film. Yeah, then I was like, oh, remember half an hour ago? And he was, <laughs> he was joking about the backside of water. Those were such beautiful <laughs> golden days. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. What do you think of the, the Guardians tril- trilogy as a whole, though? Because you've probably just... You've hit Marvel tentpole movies, I guess, and then you've missed yeah. the, the ones you could ignore. So, what what do you think of the Guardians trilogy? Are you happy how that ended? Oh, the third one. 
Yeah. I think it's my favorite Marvel movie. I was oh, blown good. away by it. I loved it. I thought it was gorgeous. The I think it's like getting to this point with these characters where there's been so much investment into who these people are, the sort of backgrounds that they come from and the traumas that they are trying to overcome and the way that that bonds them together as a family unit. And this is the thing, because I think with a lot of the Avengers, they have traumas, but they just kind of deal with them separately in their own movies. They mm. don't feel like a unit. They feel like co-workers. And I feel quite cold towards them. But the Guardians are like, you know, that's mom and that's dad and that's baby Groot, you know? Yeah, I <laughs> do. Like yeah. They, they are 100% a, a family. And the ending of that movie, I guess I don't want to spoil it in case because it's not been out it's that long. <laughs> to we have do put a warning out if you do okay but I, just to say to have to to have those characters like reach a real moment of peace with each other where it's the end of the guardians of the galaxy but we sort of know if, even if we never see these characters again that they have gone off and they have gone like to find happiness mm. like oh They've God, got what they like, need. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No other, like, of the none of the other Marvel movies have come close to that sort of um, that emotional journey. And it's again, it's sort of that Lord of the Rings thing where you just feel like you've been such a part of it for so long. And I don't know if that's partially because it was my first Marvel movie. <laughs> it was like my first entry into what is this gigantic world. But God, no, I love those characters with all of my heart. I relate to them so much, and that ending. Always perfect. <laughs> Would you watch another one without get James Gunn and some of those characters? How do you feel about the future of the the Guardians of the Galaxy? I can see on your face it's mixed. <laughs> yeah, I don't know without James Gunn because it's interesting. Like going to then see how he writes the Suicide Squad, and it's such mm -hmm. a similar. I mean, very different characters, a different sense of humor, obviously because it's way darker and more violent. Yeah. But it's that same sort of idea of here are these really traumatized people. <laughs> he does trauma so well. I can't, like he's so good at writing about trauma. Like here are these really traumatized people, and by the end of the movie, they are a solidified family unit, and like they, you just know they're going to work through the trauma together. And I have not seen any evidence of anyone else who's been writing the Guardians in a way that understands that. Like. No. I yeah I re after watching Guardians three I went back and I rewatched Infinity War and Endgame because I had only seen those once because I was like oh maybe I'm misremembering how the Guardians were in that movie they're very different in those it's movies it's so different it's completely different and they just they're so mean to each other and it's like this is not the loving family that I invested in yeah they're just like oh and here are the outer space losers let's call <laughs> Star Lord fat. <laughs> I'm not down with <laughs> so, like I'm I'm very nervous with that Star Lord real return thing part sorry, yeah. spoiler. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I don't we don't know in what context, but the idea that he would be back makes me extremely nervous because I really, really love that character. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's it's worrying. I think I think I could the the oh, I'm just struggling to get it out now, but the um the beauty of Guardians is like you say is that they all do that trauma together, and they've all got their trauma, they've all got stuff to deal with, and they all come together as a family, 
and they do it while they're also kind of having fun at the same time because that's how you deal with trauma in life like you don't when when something's just one dimensional we find, I find a lot of superhero movies are one dimensional they're really po-faced and really kind of like serious and sour but actually if you have a group of people that like each other and are going through something you laugh and joke about it you have fun you poke fun at each other you know you do that it doesn't matter if you're going through the most serious thing in the world you still will have you will still make jokes with each other and that's that's the beauty of guardians and suicide squad and the other movie we're going to talk about in a minute you know yeah. that's why they're all good superhero movies is because it's real you know life is not a comedy life is not a drama life is lots of things mixed together all at once at the same time and that's kind of what these movies you know really kind with of good music off. yeah with great music <laughs> yeah oh you're so right the whole joking about trauma thing because I make very dark jokes and I accidentally scare people. So I'm like, did you just, sh-? you know, it's like when you accidentally overshare by making a joke and everyone's like, yep. huh? Yep. So that's why I love watching the Guardian <laughs> movies. I'm like, I know I would be accepted among them. <laughs> like, this, Me too. I watch those movies, you know, when it's like, I couldn't be in the Avengers. I couldn't be in the Justice League. I 100% could be in the Guardians or the Suicide Squad. Those are my yeah. people. I yeah. could hang yeah. out with them and have a great time, and they would love me. Yeah. I right. hope. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. I like how we start this question, and you've answered us with two answers because Suicide Squad, the James Gunn one, is also a sequel with a rubbish original. <laughs> That's true. I didn't even think of that because I try to not think about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Because DC. Anyway, good place to move on to... What is your dream sequel? We're very, very in the same realm, but I am James Gunn, if you can hear me psychically somehow, (laughs) I'm on my knees and I'm begging you, please make another Birds of Prey movie. Yes. Because (laughs) that was like... As much as I love Guardians, as much as I love the Suicide Squad, I think Birds of Prey like really was gave me something that I was lacking because it's so unique and it's so fun and it's so violent and it's so feminine and it's so like girly pop, but also Ian McGregor explodes in it and it's like yeah. oh, there's so there's never really been a comic book movie like it before. I mean, I guess there's like stuff like Tank Girl. I don't want to be too like. <laughs> this is the only thing like it that's ever existed because obviously yeah. there's always examples but i that's what it felt like watching it it felt like a revelation of mm. oh my god yeah, i yeah. me this is me it's in a movie what, it's just fun isn't it as well yeah. like most of dc films at that point i mean shazam was fun but this was next like different level fun wasn't it do you know what's great about birds of prey what I, what I just love about birds of prey and i think it's i think it's the best dc movie by a long way and maybe maybe my best superhero movie but yeah it's the reason i love it is i love it when it breaks the fourth wall i love that it's got mm. a narration and it breaks the fourth wall because that's what comic books do if you read a comic book this it's got a narration it fully breaks the fourth wall all the time i absolutely love that and harley quinn's like narration through this movie is perfect you know she is telling you this story and then you're seeing it happen it's great. And Margot Robbie is just is, is perfect casting, isn't it, in this one? Um, I don't understand the name change, so we're going to have to talk about that at some point to get... <laughs> I don't understand what I was meant to be 
like researching earlier but as a film so did you was there a screen of this beforehand how much did you know going in i have always loved harley quinn as a character it's a weird thing with with dc i'm really not a batman fan but i love his villains <laughs> like catwoman i love the the female villains i love catwoman the gotham city sirens basically yeah, poison yeah. ivy harley quinn so i was excited to sort of have that energy and for huntress and to see these other sort of female maybe not a hundred percent good dc mm. characters i yeah i don't know if i i just remember loving the posters like seeing the first posters come out and seeing what she was wearing like this is such a specific thing but superhero outfits usually are quite ugly <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> it's very utilitarian and it's just meant to like be good for fighting in and i loved that these the costume design of birds of prey like is practical enough that these women can fight in it or if they can't they take the shoes off they put hair tie and you know they make it work oh so good but everything they wear is just like i want it in my wardrobe <laughs> I, it just looks incredible and it's so like fashionable and sequiny and inventive and cool and there's so many different um styles in it with the different characters like huntress has such a distinct style from harley quinn which mm. i think is quite rare in in a lot of mainstream superhero stuff where it's like you get a different colored suit but it's the same like that weird texture like kevlar yeah. texture everything's the same texture so like many textures in this movie oh my god <laughs> I was just wanted to like touch everything. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it this afternoon and I came and I go, ah, oh, egg sandwich would be good. <laughs> I remember the egg sandwich. That egg sandwich looks incredible. It's the cheese that gets me every time. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, so what would you want from a, a Birds of Prey sequel? I think my main request would be I, I'm not fussed about the plot. I just want the same <laughs> creative team back. So I want right. Kathy Ann. I want Christina Hodson. This is interesting. The Flash. I saw The Flash. I don't know if you guys saw The Flash. Not yet. Uh, I don't think Rich has seen it, but I have. Yeah. So I won't spoil anything. I was like, I didn't think it was very good, but there was one scene that made me cry. And I was like, that's very unusual. And then I saw Christina Hodson and wrote it. So I was like, that explains why I is cried. Is it a supermarket scene? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think I would just, I don't have like any particular desires like, oh, I want to see Catwoman. I want to see Poison mm. Ivy. I mean, I know Margot Robbie specifically has talked a lot about doing Gotham City Sirens, which seems to me like a slightly different project. Yeah. But I would accept that <laughs> as a Birds <laughs> of Prey sequel if. It was made with the same creative intentions, you know? Yeah, it was yeah. made to, to be a, at least a spiritual sequel to Birds of Prey. It was a Kathy Ann directed yeah. Gotham City Sirens. Yeah, that. It'd be nice yeah, to see her to direct something energy. else, wouldn't it? Like, you know, she's, I know. she's kind of got in this. We've talked about this before with, um, with Helen O'Hara specifically about how female directors don't tend to get the. The, the second movie quite so quickly like Birds of Prey is a brilliant like, brilliantly directed movie and what's she done like one episode of Succession since then like where is her next movie 
Like, where is it? If she was a man, she'd have done three by now. You know, like oh, we fail upwards, yeah, 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 we do. We're awful, horrible, failing upwards, privileged people. Where is her? <laughs> where is her movie? Well, you, you can tell that <laughs> men are the worst when this came out, and then they so much of the noise about it was like, oh, it's all just women fighting, kind of thing. It's, it's just great. It's brilliant. Like, that, give me that, more the fight of this. scene at the end is properly fun. Like, it's oh brilliant. My God. They're all, with the big hammers in the circus, and they're all just beating the shit out of the, the... The scene before that, where, like, Harley Quinn breaks the guy's knees with the baseball bat, is both the most cringy and funny thing I think I've seen in ages. Like, uh, it's it's amazing. It's so well done. The scene in the police... The police are, Office is the only word I can think of at the moment. Uh, that's great fun with the cocaine and stuff. And yeah, that's the one I'm talking about with a co- just after the cocaine. Yeah, more of that and be would be brilliant. Is there any chance of it happening though? I am trying to feel optimistic about James Gunn coming in because obviously he's worked in Margot Robbie. Yeah, on the Suicide Squad, and what I did, I was as much as I love James Gunn, I was very nervous going into that movie because mm. I did not know how he was going to handle Harley Quinn sort of post Birds of Prey journey. Mm. And that whole scene where she, with her and the dictator, I guess I could I can spoil this because it's been out for a while Yeah, where she's like, you know, I've been trying to teach myself to, to spot red flags like long before. And you know what? Killing kids is one of them. And then she just shoots them. <laughs> Oh my god, I was like, I wanted to stand up and be like, I'm so proud of you, James Gunn, because <laughs> you watch Birds of Prey and you paid attention and you understand the journey that that character went through, that, you know, she has liberated, she has emancipated herself, as the title suggests, but, you know, she's still, that takes a long time and she's still not 100% of the way there, so she's still learning and growing, and so... That's my very long-winded way of saying that I think he, I'm hopeful that he has enough affection for the character and he has enough of a friendship with Margot Robbie that he's going to listen to her, please. Because she's so enthusiastic about it. Yeah. Because it's such a good character for her. And I think she's as good in that role as a lot of the men have been as Joker. Oh, perfect better. She's perfect. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to go too far just in case people got mad. She's great. You know, and I, I feel like she really should be due some some respect and some praise for how she's handled yeah, yeah. that character. So I am actually, I am kind of optimistic that even if we don't get something called Birds of Prey 2, Harley Quinn's story is going to continue in a way that I will still feel satisfied by. <laughs> That's what's important, is that I, me specifically, am happy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Devil's Advocate, they recast Margot Robbie and they ignore everything that's happened with after and they redo her story and and redo birds of prey would you be there for that i would be a little bit heartbroken (laughs) but i think if they handled it well i'd be open to it my only reservation with it is that i like i kind of don't know how you do it better in terms of the harley quinn from at least like the newer comics like this most recent sort of iteration of her which i know there's been a bit of a cross-pollination with the movies Hmm. but that feels they feel so in sync now also with the animated series i feel like all of those harley quinns now like that's that's her as a character and i don't know if you revisited it with a like a new director and a new voice and new actress if really you could change it that much because if she was any less like 
like chaotic <laughs> and insecure um and impulsive and also like I love that she's so progressive and there's that little thing about her voting for Bernie Sanders <laughs> I think if you took away any element of that that suddenly she wouldn't really be Harley Quinn anymore she'd be like yeah. some lesser version yeah. I agree because yeah. in a dream world we would have had the sequel by now wouldn't we 100%. if this made like a billion dollars 800 million it, it would have happened and we'll all be sitting talking about birds of prey colon whatever it would be called my quick question is gotham sirens is that darker than birds of prey if it was to happen well because they were gonna have uh david Ayer, the suicide squad guy <laughs> oh yeah do it and i was so oh, scared but no. <laughs> I'm guessing that would not happen now. I I don't know because Poison Ivy is a little bit more complex of a character, and Catwoman in certain iterations is too. They're a little mm. bit more, you know, serious. But I I think that's the beauty of interpretation, and I wish comic book movies were a little less faithful sometimes. And that's what James Gunn is quite good at doing is that he's not so fixated on oh who is this guy in the story if i change him in any way the comic book fans will be upset and he's just like what's a good story yeah so that's why it's like in the peacemaker series vigilante is a hundred percent different character from the vigilante in the comics but i think he's way better because he's quite boring in the comics he's just like a shooty shooty like dead shot style guy um, and in the show, he's just a silly little murder guy. And yeah. <laughs> it's such oh, an man. improvement. <laughs> so I, yeah, so this is the thing I, I feel, but I've contradicted myself because I've said they can't change Harley Quinn and then said it's good when they change things. So uh, you're allowed. This is your show. You, you can do what I, you like. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm kind of, it's, it's one of those things where it's hard to predict, like all the possible outcomes because I can totally imagine there being a brand new version of Harley Quinn that maybe is different, and I love her. I mean, we'll see what Lady Gaga does. Mm. Oh, yeah. Because I'm a big little monster. <laughs> I went to see her on tour last year. I'm very in that fandom. Did you like the Joker, though? No. no. I really hated it. I really hated it. So that's that's the balance yeah. of this movie. Is yeah. Does my love for Lady Gaga outweigh my hatred for Joker? We yeah. we will see. We will see. Yeah, I have no wish to see another Joker movie. And yet, and yet, a musical with Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn. I don't know, kind of, <sighs> kind of there for that. <laughs> it's kind of like they tricked us. That's why I feel like we've been tricked. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, you didn't like Joker, did you? It feels dirty, Joker, doesn't it? And not in a good way. Yeah. I've been lured into a cage with a piece of candy, and the candy is Lady Gaga. It might be good. I mean... But this is what we were saying. That's why you always have to go in with no expectations, because you never know. Those were Clarice Lockery's Unequal Sequels. Possibly my favorite episode it was a lot of fun wasn't it i really like clarice i think she's amazing <laughs> that chat was just so good so yes, good it really was and almost the like you know when you get a perfect hat trick playing football yeah left foot right foot and header i think her picks are like the perfect hat trick 
controversial best pick, absolute <laughs> dog shit, but worst pick, and truly perfect dream sequel. Yes. I mean, you know? Alien Covenant for your best. And she came on and it's... she wanted to defend it. Yeah, and she did. She did. It. I I truly hated it when I saw it in the cinema. And actually, watched it back again, and yeah. it wasn't as bad. Not as bad. And we, we didn't even get to mention the scene about when uh, Michael Fassbender is fingering uh, the other Michael Fassbender's holes with his clarinet <laughs> or recorder. I think he's made a recorder. <laughs> no, we did not. We kept it classy, Dave, until now. <laughs> oh, that quote was amazing. Let me think of your oh. holes or whatever he says. Anyway, <laughs> Morbius is the worst. Is It is still bad. There's no coming back from it. Hate it. Yeah. Don't really like Jared Leto in anything. Oh. I don't think. Yeah. Sorry. No, sorry. Sorry for all you Jared Leto fans out there. He's made some good not films, but he's not news. on a hot streak at the moment. No. He's, just, he's a bit annoying in real life. I feel. Yeah, um, maybe. Yeah, he would drive me I don't mental. really know. I don't really know, but I don't like his performances yeah, we, in anything. We don't I've know him personally, time. but no. But you know who is in a bit of a hot streak at the moment? Go on, Margot Robbie. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> and yeah, Birds of Prey brilliant choice i think it i think it's my favorite dc movie it's definitely up there yes mm. i mean but how many good dc movies are there rich well yeah true but you really it's love between it. this and the yeah i do really love it and it's between birds of prey and the sewer squad side squad the james gunn one i think yeah. for me what i've really liked, and both have harley quinn in both have got Mar- margot robbie and so maybe that's it I really like a movie with a voiceover. You do. I just, I'm just a fan of a movie with a voiceover and a bit of fourth wall breakage. Yeah, I love fourth wall. I break like fourth wall breakage as well. I'm a big fan of that. People say it's lazy, but I disagree. Nah, I disagree. I love it. It drags me into the film. Love it. Yeah, yeah, me too. We love recording that episode. I can't tell you how how long it went on for. Uh, go check out. I know Rich is about to tell you about another slice, but that the other the another slice sequels chat for subscribers is a good one, and it, it's a long one. Yeah. You'll almost get as much again. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> on the on the on the another slice uh, sequel. You should go check out Clarice's writing for the Independent and her podcasts. Yep. Uh, Fate of Black is a great podcast. Go check it is that absolutely. Out. She's brilliant uh, and wonderful to talk to. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely amazing. While you're over there checking out the Fade the Black podcast, if you wouldn't mind clicking the little subscribe button on our podcast, and then we'll drop into your pop layer of choice every single week. We've got, we're ha- nearly halfway through season five. Oh, God. And you know, the word on the street is it's the best season yet. It is. And uh, yeah, so if that sets your subscribe, senses tingling, then uh, yeah, make sure you give us a little rating at the same time. Hit, hit the five stars. Tap us out a little review on Apple Podcasts. That would be lovely. And if you really, really love us, as Dave mentioned, you can get yourself over to anotherslice.com forward slash unequal sequel. And for two ninety nine a month, you get a sequel to all of our interview episodes. And there are, I mean, the sequels to the interview episodes of this season are epic. Yeah, great. Um, you'll also get access to loads of extra bonus content like box set mentality and disenfranchised and all that kind of stuff. Good stuff too. So make sure you get over there and check that out. If you want to check it out before you pay, then there are some nice little sample episodes over there for you. So our Flash review, for example, is over there, and you can listen to it absolutely free just to see what sort of good stuff you're going to be getting on another slice. If you really love us, but 
you may two ninety nine. Maybe the month is not for you. Then uh, just get on social media and tell your friends. And whilst you're on there, just uh, say hello to us. We are at unequal sequel on Twitter and Instagram, or you can even send us an email unequal sequel at hotmail dot com. So smooth. It's like jazz every week. You're just like off the, <laughs> off the fly doing it. When you say it's like jazz, does that mean made up and not very rhythmical? Yes, but <laughs> people, some people love jazz. A lot of people true, love jazz. True, true. I hate true. jazz. Fully improvised. Yes, but it, it always works and it's always brilliant. And you get the information across, which is the main objective of your piece. My favourite bit of that, of what you just said then, was it's just like jazz and I hate jazz. <laughs> yeah, but lots of people like jazz. I hate jazz. True, I'm just true, making it true. very clear to everyone. You hate my work, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I respect you as a podcaster and a person, but not as a jazz player. Oh, no, no. That's, that's a good point. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Yes, go check out Another Slice and all our back catalogues. Uh, if this is your first time listening, thank you for listening. If it's your old, uh, second time listening, thank you for listening. And if it's you've been listening constantly, you are brilliant, and thank you for listening. Uh, I've got nothing else to say, so it's going to be a quick, quick, smooth, like, bay from me, and a big old fat bye from him. Bye! See you next week, the sequel to this one. Have a great week. And thank you for listening. Bye bye. Reasonably smooth. Yeah, we got there in the end. Do you, do you think Clarice <laughs> is now uh, Clarice is now our best friend? I hope so. Yeah, because you know she's our new best friend. That would be really cool, right? Like... <laughs>